Breaking news, Ted Nugent, of all people, has gone woke. Yep. And I wouldn't never believe it if I didn't see it myself. We've been talking about the Jan Wenner controversy, how he said uh, he didn't have any black people or women in his book because they weren't articulate enough. It was the dumbest uh, self-owned interview of all time. You would think a guy who's been doing softball interviews with people for 77 years would know not to say stuff like that. But Ted Nugent gave the weirdest statement about it. Our soul came from black heroes who had more soul because they had to get out of the curse of slavery and celebrate freedom musically. (laughs) Wenner was removed because of racist and misogynistic attacks that said that black and female artists are not articulate enough to reference in his book about rock and roll history, which is so clearly biased and so clearly racist and so clearly misogynistic. Wow. It says something extraordinary when Ted Nugent can say something like that. And it's like, well, you know what? When you're right, you're right. Nothing is technically incorrect in that. Exactly. He went woke. And then he goes on and says, Rolling Stone parroted the lies that I dodged the draft, which is a lie. They parroted that I had sex with Courtney Love, which is a lie, which I don't even remember that. Yeah, I have no idea. When was that supposed to happen? In the 90s? Wasn't he like 500? Uh, The point is that Wenner always parroted all the nastiest allegations that I diss the Native Americans, which I never did, that I'm a racist, which I'm not, that I'm a homophobe, which I'm not. I need the receipts on that, Ted. Yeah. But certainly relatively speaking here, when you're right, you're right, you know? Yeah. It is funny to see him do an end zone dance. Yeah. (laughs) The one time he can get back at him. You're a racist too. Yep. Yep, he's also a very, very old white man. It, it kind of feels like he's clenching his teeth through that first sentence, especially, though, of our black heroes who had to get out of the curse of slavery and celebrate freedom musically. That's just an insanely awkward thing to say. Yeah, it's kind of saying the music was so good because of slavery. Yeah, it's, it's very strangely put together. It's weirdly worded. But you know what? He didn't say any slurs. I'm going to side with Ted Nugent here. Yeah. I'm a Ted head. Yeah, that's right. I follow him around in the woods. We now stand Ted uh, after this one paragraph. One kind of clunky but well-intentioned paragraph he just put out. It's erased the last 70 years of everything. Woke King. Yep. He's going to have dang blue hair on his next tour. Speaking of blue hair, I saw Cindy Lauper also called him senile, which is pretty (laughs) funny. Yeah. People don't like him because he's been around for so long and he's sort of individually held responsible for every time that Rolling Stone has given someone a bad review undeservedly. Yeah. And I've noticed there was a Vulture article about the Cindy Lauper thing that brought up his review of the 2001 Mick Jagger album, Goddess in the Doorway. <laughs> All right. When he gave it five stars. Cool. Which is very strange. I didn't realize that, but I guess it's a famous part of Jan Wenner lore where he was like going out to dinner with Mick Jagger and his wife and stuff. And he just thought, because he's my friend and I run this magazine, I should give his horrible solo album five stars. And I've never heard of this album. I didn't even realize Mick Jagger had a solo album shortly after 9-11. I know he had that one in the 80s. He had two in the 80s when uh, the Rolling Stones weren't making music and him and Keith were on the outs. But I didn't know he was making music in the 2000s, but I guess that got five stars. 
And uh, that's been sticking in people's craw ever since. It's pretty funny. Yeah, that's so funny. Okay, apparently it's the last solo album that he did to date even. Yeah, oh my it takes God. so it, much effort to get a dude, sh- like something like that done for a guy that old. This is a 2001-ass album, too. It features cameos by Bono and Rob Thomas. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's an early version of that. Those are more common now, I feel, where they take an elderly artist and they give them all the the people that are considered contemporary, but they're actually from 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and they try to make something pop and it doesn't really go off. Santana was the one time that worked. Oh, yeah, totally. Speaking of Rob Thomas. That just blew up. Yeah, that's Even why they got like the, Rob Thomas. The Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett thing is similar. They weren't trying to make him do like a slick pop production, but it was a similar like idea. Yeah, that one was more classy, I guess. It wasn't, it was less, uh, less cloying. It was more about getting her to be more perceived as high art, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. More than burnishing Tony Bennett's image. Is he still alive, by the way? I forget whether he died very recently or not. I know he was forced to stop touring by his doctor. Okay, he died in July. Yeah, he was touring at age 90, so it's like, damn, dude. Yeah. Boy, he lived a long time, 96 years. Yeah, I wasn't sure. He's one of those guys you never know, like Bob Barker, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was like, uh, I think it was Mike Fossey who said, you could have told me he died 10 years ago, and I'd be like, that sounds right. Yeah. You just kind of mentally assume that people die before they're in their late 90s. Yeah. Dude, that 2001 Mick Jagger album sounds so bad on paper. Like, it's not just Rob Thomas and Bono. It also has Wyclef and Lenny Kravitz. Just like such a, a who's who of like 2001 guys. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way that could be good. Mick Jagger's thing just doesn't work. Like it barely passes for something entertaining if he's doing his old songs and it's live. They have all yeah. the, the backing band and everything making it as good as possible. But him just singing a song, especially now, like I, I don't really want to hear him sing a song. Get someone uh, else yeah. to do it. Like he's just get, old. He's yeah, not that good of a, Rob a technical singer. Sing he's not that good of a writer, really. Like the Rolling Stones <laughs> haven't really written a good song since... 1981. I mean, I'm such a Rolling Stones hater that I like over hate on them where they obviously have a handful of like truly classic things, but I'll, I'll I'll co-sign any negative thing you say. Yeah. The fact that they're still going is so ridiculous. We've talked about it so much, but it's seeing them live. You can look it up and you can see them playing like two hours ago. They might be in your town. Yeah. The undead (laughs) might've reached your town. It's like that Simpsons joke. That's almost 25 years old now where Lisa's in college and uh, it has, she has a poster on her wall for like the Rolling Stones, like wheelchair tour or whatever. The steel wheelchair tour. Because, yeah. The, it, yeah. Steel wheels, which was 1991. And even then people were like, they got to stop. Yeah. Like that joke didn't know. They had no idea how well that would age, you know? Yeah. I think I would pay for them to stop. Like I would rather oh, yeah, buy Simpsons a ticket well. and know that those guys are at home resting. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't want to make them work. It's like making your grandpa stand up and do a dance. Like, hey, Grandpa, totally. do a dance for me. Sing me a song. No, I'm tired. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do Jumpin' Jack Flash. Like, uh, it's no, time for them me to a, sit down. Sing me your song with Rob Thomas from 2001's Goddess in the Doorway. Five-star song. Yep. Credit to Bob Dylan. Think, uh, he was sitting down in that recent performance with the Heartbreakers. Yeah, yeah. As because he why should, not? He's earned it. You shouldn't have to stand up. How come piano players get to sit down on a bench? Have you heard that uh, the Brian Jordan Alvarez viral song about sitting? No. 
Well, it's not worth looking up right now, but basically that song, uh, Bob Dylan deserves to take that to account, you know? He's this guy on Twitter who Andrew's followed for a long time who just does this weird like face app stuff and just sings stupid but surprisingly good songs, you know, that he just makes up on the spot. The name sounds a little familiar. Goddess in the Doorway. Yeah. I think it'd be funny now. So something like that album in 2001 is already like a retro thing of like, look, Mick Jagger is back with a modern sound. I think someone should grab all the collaborators from Goddess in the Doorway and pair them up with like, uh, I don't know, Olivia Rodrigo and be like, she's doing collabs with Rob Thomas, Wyclef, Bono, and Lenny Kravitz. They're coming back. You know, now they're the old guys. They're going to put a modern spin on it. She should get all the Fugees. Yeah. It would be a struggle to get all of them to show up at the same time, but they do need the money. She should do all the Fuji's taxes. She should get her tax guy to do all their taxes. That's the she kind of collab that they for need. Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> she should run for president of Haiti. It's also funny to read this, uh, this review from 2001 of For Goddess in the Doorway. He says, it may seem a truism, but it's worth noting that he is, along with John Lennon, Van Morrison, Bob Dylan, and Bono, one of the great male rock voices of this age. So even then, he was on the same shit. Like, man, Bono, Bob Dylan, John Lennon, those are my guys. The same fucking five guys, yeah. Stop trying to put Bono in there. I know. I was going to say that Bono and Jagger to me are on a much lower level than those others. And also, where's like Neil Young and shit? If you're doing like generic classic rock guys, you're missing like the best ones, you know? Well, Neil Young is not articulate because yeah. he's Canadian. <laughs> he's too Canadian, exactly. He's too Canadian. He says oot in a boot and stuff. He's too polite. He pulls punches. Yeah, he pulls a lot of punches. He only wants to interview people that are boring as shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, I couldn't, I don't even want to pull up an interview with Bono to see what it's like. Oh, hell no. Because I would fall asleep instantly. Who the fuck cares? He's just thinking about fake charities to start. Yeah. (laughs) World, meet Mick Jagger, solo artist. That's the closing line. Uh, 2001. He'd already made so many solo albums. Yeah, it didn't work. I guess it kind of technically worked. He did the song with David Bowie. I don't know if that was on a Bowie album or a Jagger album, but I I guess he has hits. Uh, let me see. Yeah, what was it? Was it on the Jagger one or not? But yeah, that's definitely a hit. I mean, yeah, he can get stuff on the charts just by name recognition. But he says it's going to prove to be a classic. It's so, it's so old. That's guy. So funny. It, yeah, because <laughs> I listened to some of this album and it's, it's a very two thousand one rock album, like putting all the bells and whistles on there, all the brand new Pro Tools stuff. Yeah, the drum loops. The kind of lo-fi sounding drum loops and the the really abrasive Smashing Pumpkins guitars, a little bit of the post-grunge sound, and that stuff has aged worse than anything in history. Yeah, just like super compressed mixes. It sounds like crap. Like even '80s stuff. If you go back and listen to Mick Jagger's solo album in the '80s, it is dated, but it's in a way that's a little bit endearing. Yeah. Because that stuff was so new and it was so chintzy sounding and it has a certain mystique to it. But the the really processed 2001 stuff, oh, it's brutal. It's like the, the U2 stuff from that era. Yeah, I wonder if he would have given any U2 stuff a five. Like the one with Elevation on it, that should have gotten a five. Yeah, it probably did. Because how can you do all those <laughs> interviews with Bono and you give him bad reviews? Is that album called Elevation? I'm going to look that up. Um, Was it How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb? I think that might have been the next one, but I also could be wrong because I hate 
any U2 thing after like 1985 or whatever. Such stupid album titles they have. I hate it. So bad. Any, any album title there's in the last 20 years is like embarrassing. They got all clever and went with pop and then they started doing like Fallout Boy song album titles. Yeah. <laughs> all that you can't leave behind. Shut up. Shut up, Bono. Shut up, The Edge. Oh yeah, that's it. Songs of Innocence. Oh, that, that was the one with the gay cover. Yeah. <laughs> was that the one that was put on people's iPods? Um. Oh yeah, that was the one that was automatically downloaded and it had the gay cover. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Okay, that album with Elevation on it, it got four stars in Rolling Stone. Wow. The Guardian gave it a perfect score. <laughs> Physical copies of the album feature different packaging with a cover image of drummer Larry Mullen Jr. protectively embracing his then 18-year-old son while both are shirtless. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's already funny enough that they forcibly put that album on everyone's iPod. But then they also made the album cover some weird gay incest thing <laughs> that the drummer was doing with his teen son. Fucking weird, guys. Maybe he should interview that cool. guy and his son and find out that's, what happened there. That's my favorite song of all time. It looks my like a pregnancy shoot, too. It does, yeah. Okay, now I'm looking at it. Yeah, he's he's got his ear up to his son's bare chest. It's just so awkward. If he got his son pregnant and did a pregnancy shoot, it would look yeah, exactly like this. Exactly. And maybe he did. It's possible he did. And it kind of, uh, kind of makes me view boy in a different light, too. Uh, do you want to guess what Rolling Stone gave that Songs of Innocence album? Five? Yep, perfect score. God, I haven't so even listened cool. to it. Who gives a shit? 2014 era U2 just like popping off with masterpiece level stuff. They give Boy a four. <laughs> they give four and a half stars to the Songs of uh, whatever came after. They have three different Songs of albums now. Their newest one is also four stars in Rolling Stone. Nothing they do is like under four stars. Oh my God, dude. The runtime of Songs of Surrender, which they put out this year, 165 minutes. Yeah, Surrender is right. I give in. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. We've talked about this very briefly before. This is one where they just redid 40 songs from their career and just did new recordings of songs that already sounded better probably in 1985. I was reading about Boy just now, and one of the original reviews said, Chicago Tribune critic Greg Cott described the album as callow post-punk that owes a lot to Joy Division and early public, public image limited. And that's true. Yeah, totally. Like, I Will Follow, that's like a very like Interpol-sounding song. Absolutely. But what else owes a lot to Joy Division is the new Joy Division NFT. That's right. It's 2023 and Joy Division's getting into the NFT game. This is September 2023. This is not a retro thing. This is not old news. This is 2023. An NFT celebrating Joy Division's wavy unknown pleasures artwork will include previously unheard vocal samples from the band. The new piece re renders the pulsar from the cover as audio, which is then merged with the voice of the late frontman Ian Curtis. So and it's the, that uh, the stuff unheard from the vocal star. snippets are uh, just really brief clips from some live recording of Atrocity Exhibition. And it's just some random like tape of a live show. It probably sounds like shit in the first place. And then they just stretched it out to be super, super slow so that it's not like distinguishable as a vocal, which probably tells you that it sounded bad in the first place. 
Yeah, that's nothing. Like, there's literally nothing there. Like, what you might as well go is, to um, where Ian Curtis used to live and smell the air. Yeah, Because you're exactly. getting as much of him from that. But it is like, funny remember, that they're uh, selling this. Like, 10 years ago, people on YouTube would stretch out a Justin Bieber song at, like, one eight hundredth of the speed. And I it would become that. just, like, a beautiful sound collage, kind of. And that's what they did to this. Yeah, it's it like, blur right, it I mean, it sounds so cool. much. Yeah, like, it sounds cool when you do that, but it's really stupid, especially to make it an NFT. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, and it barely matters what you do it to. Like, even NFT guys are always trying to grapple with uh, the fact that everything has collapsed. Like, when we checked in on the Bored Ape guys, like, a month or two ago, all those guys were just, like, coping super hard, but even they kind of knew that things are, like, the bottom is dropping out, you know? It's just so weird to jump in the game this late. It's one of a kind and features an ambient soundtrack, including never-before-released Joy Division vocal fragments. The latter will be delivered on a hard drive in a bespoke case. Ugh. It would be so easy to make Joy Division vocal fragments that no one had heard before. You could make them yourself. You could just go, ah! (laughs) Vocal fragments from a live version of Atrocity Exhibition. From like an audience taping. Like anyone could make that. I could make that now. (laughs) I just did two right there. Like when it comes to artists like Nirvana or Joy Division or whatever, it seems like they already scraped the bottom of the barrel. But this, you got to be fair, like this is a very novel way to really scrape the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, you might as well just do an AI voice. Just make AI Joy Division. That would be better than this. At least it would be something. It would be something you could listen to and make fun of. Yeah, at least release an NFT of um, Ian Curtis singing Roddy Rich Ballin'. That would be awesome. Maybe he would have cheered up. I would pay two ETH for that. If he listened to some good hip-hop. Yeah. He tried to listen to hip-hop back in 1980, and it was just garbage. It was Grandmaster uh, Flash and all that stuff. The hippie hop. It was just Blondie. Yeah, it was just Blondie. He heard Rapture and was like, well, we're not there yet. (laughs) Dude, my greatest, the thing that makes me the most depressed about this shit world we live in is that Ian Curtis never lived to hear Roddy Rich's ballin'. Yeah, and he didn't get to see his own NFT. Yeah, that's true. He'd have a big old grin on his face seeing what they're doing to his legacy. What makes me sad about Ian Curtis is that he died with so many unreleased vocal fragments still within him. <laughs> every every true fan wants to hear every vocal fragment that's out there. Yeah. Is there an artist that has a lot of good outtakes? I mean, certainly there's artists with good unreleased, like a handful of unreleased songs that are good. Like Nirvana is one of those bands of like, like when they ones put that out, haven't you know been released right 10 stuff. times already. Yeah. It just happens in the first or second wave of culling all the extra material. You know, there's typically a few good things in there for a lot of artists, but then 25 years later, there's nothing left, man. Yeah. If I don't put something out, it's because it's not good. Yeah. But I guess that's why, like, when it comes to things like Joy Division and Nirvana, you understand why there are some good things in the vault. Because, like, with Nirvana, it's like they started recording for another album, and then he died, so they shelved it. But there were a handful of good things in the vault, but then they released those in that, like, CD they did in, like, I don't know, 2001 or something. And then after that, there's nothing left, you know? Yeah. I understand the mystique about that. When someone like that dies, someone who's an actual songwriter, who's like a has this personality cult dies and you think like they must have all this, this secret knowledge for us. That's yet undiscovered. Like there must be, they, you have to read so much into it. And then especially when you get older than 27, it's like, 
wait a minute, it's a 27 year old. Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I, I'm like digging for like, for new wisdom from a 27 year old. Like, eh. Eh. Yeah, with Co- like the truth with Cobain is that what you're digging for is just a good hook. Like he's such a good melody writer and stuff. Like yeah. he did die at his absolute peak, so it was obviously very, very sad. And that's why the handful of things in the vault were pretty good, but there just yeah. wasn't much there. The problem is a lot of the stuff on the albums was also unfinished. Like a lot of the lyrics were just not finished. Oh, for sure. But that's albums. just how he likes to work, you know. I yeah. think that's that's what his aesthetic is is just sort of abstract lyrics. Yeah, but when you listen to stuff where it's unfinished, you kind of expect like the stuff that they didn't even work on to the point where it could be brought to the studio. How good could that have been? Yeah, exactly. Once in a while, it's good. I feel like with Joy Division, um, like the Joy Division version of Ceremony is much worse than the New Order one, where it's like in terms of like artistic vision, they didn't really lose too much without him, you know? (laughs) It is like ceremony. Well, first of all, ceremony is one of my favorite songs of all time by far. But uh, it is like a really fascinating glimpse that you don't see often of like a band retooling a single song into like a new project and seeing how that like transforms it. You know, it is super. Yeah, it is interesting how that one song is a hinge point between those two bands. Yeah, exactly. So there have been a couple remasters that came out this week. Or I guess one of them is last month. One of them is The Replacements, Tim, which apparently is an infamously poorly mixed album. And I was listening to the original, and it's not that poorly mixed. I understand why people say that, but it sounds pretty similar to most stuff from the early 80s, like the Athens, Georgia, Paisley Underground type of stuff. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound that far off from the first couple REM albums. It doesn't sound modern. It sounds dated, but it's... uh kind of familiarly dated like a lot of other genre specific stuff but there's a remaster that does sound pretty good and i figured we could uh, give it a listen through track one yeah don't mind if we do here the vocals seem uh they, they seem like they uncovered some new a new vocal take perhaps yeah they really punched through the mix A lot of the high frequencies were rolled off of the original vocal track, I guess. Yeah. Interesting how much digital artifacting there is for something from the 80s. Yeah, you hear new things with these remasters. You yeah. uncover these these little nuances in the audio. <laughs> Drums are very punchy. Seems like Paul Westerberg's forgetting some of the lyrics as he goes. What do you think? I think uh, it's true. There was so much buried in this mix that... uh, good to finally hear how they the band intended it to be heard yeah i feel like it's more raw it's a more human vocal yeah well it does have some cartoonish overtones i feel that that adds to the overall effect absolutely i mean we got one other uh 
reissue to get to here. Yeah, Pink Floyd, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Apparently that's being released a 50th time. Yeah, they need to reissue it every single year, basically. Yeah, like textbooks. Yeah, that's a good College point. students need to get a Dark Side of the Moon poster, <laughs> a new one every year. Yep. I don't care that the old one is basically the same. We made a new one. But you're right. Like they reshuffle around one song on the track list each time. So you have to buy it again. Yeah. It's in a different order. Yeah. <laughs> so when your teacher says refer to track five, you're going to get confused if you don't have the current version. Wow, these vocals too. I think there's something kind of took them to the next level here. Seems like a lot of singers these days are becoming less articulate. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing that uh, John Wenner didn't try to interview him. Yeah, maybe that's why. This, this remaster though is so warm. I feel like I'm listening to vinyl right now. It's so warm. I feel like I'm inside a cash register. Yeah. That's what they're trying to simulate with this song. That's what I learned in college. My Pink Floyd class. I think it might be a unique idea to add these kind of sounds to a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just to show off that I have 48 cents. <laughs> they do need to upgrade uh, money with sounds from new money. Like, there's been so much currency printed since then. Yeah. I want to hear the clinking of new coins. Or like a Venmo <laughs> notification. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what are we going to do once they have all digital money? Maybe I'm against won't be that able to now. Make... There won't be real music like this anymore. <laughs> You won't be able to put coin sounds. People won't even know what a cash register is. I'm going to choose to get really mad about that when I'm old. Whatever happened to coins? They keep saying they're going to get rid of pennies. They're going to get rid of all of them. Yeah, whatever happened to coins, those inconvenient things I hate paying with and I hate carrying around. I miss them. There should be a coin version of checks. Like yeah. a small metal <laughs> check. You write on. Uh, my checkbook melted. Like, conceivably, you could write a check that's worth less than the coin it's printed on. Yeah, you could. It is a federal offense to melt down a check, though. <laughs> I'm sure this has been crushed by being converted twice, but it does kind of sound like shit. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> like, I don't know. I downloaded it from YouTube. It is the new version, but it was oh, over funny. six minutes in this... Uh, this regular website that has the original Pink Floyd vocals on it. It has a limit of six minutes. So I had to download it and then export it with uh, the money sounds <laughs> at the beginning clipped off. But I guess I exported it in V0, so it wasn't my fault. Okay. Yeah, I guess to be fair, most of the Voiceify stuff that we've done has been like John Acapinti that already sounds like dog shit to begin with. Yeah, it's very hard to tell. Although also, I, I uh, dispute everything you're saying because this is actually what was released on the reissue right here. Yeah, it turns out a lot of the digital about. stuff. Yeah. Famously, they experienced with uh, they experimented with analog synthesizers. They also experiment, experimented, I keep saying experienced, with uh, with 
digital artifacting. Yep. A set-top box that would only add that. It would add a little bit of crackle. I think it's the kind Digitech of a shame. Vinyl replicator, and it sounded like it, shit, and everyone used it. <laughs> like, I think it's a shame that the AI is good at finding the vocal because I want to hear the guitar, like the lead guitar, done with Cartman's voice. Yeah, theoretically, I guess you could get all the stems, put them in individually, and then have the voice do that. I don't know if it. I would think pick we should try that. If it would work, it'd be really funny. Well, speaking of John Acapinti, we found the anti-Acapinti. The exact inverse. And I believe it's Lana Del Rey. There's a story <laughs> from true. this week. Lana Del Rey wishes her album had gone as viral as that Waffle House video. I woke up to like 10,000 texts the next morning. Some from folks I had not heard from for 10 years. If people didn't see that, it was a famous photo shoot, I guess, or uh, TikTok of her working behind the shelf at a uh, Waffle House. Yeah, it was from July this year. Behind the year. booth. And uh, it was kind of a gag that they were doing, but it didn't really make sense why. I guess what happened was she was just there, and then they said they would go there every day because she was on, uh, where even was this? Florence, Alabama. She spent the week there, and she would go there every day, and then eventually they offered her a chance to be an employee. No, no, I think and what she said is- yes. They offered her the shirt, like, here, do you want an outfit as, like, a commemorative thing? And she was like, sure, I'll, like, work for, like, an hour just to, like, do it. For the shirt? Like, I think she volunteered it. Yeah, she, like, volunteered to do it. Um, and hour they gave her, like, to softballs. pay off the uniform. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they just, like, sent her over to, like, regulars who, like, were there all the time, I guess. And uh, Del Rey recalled, this guy, a regular, comes in every day and orders two things. So they were like, just go get it for him. I brought him a Coke, no ice, and an empty cup for dip. That's pretty baller to go into the fucking uh, Waffle House every day and ask for an empty cup for dip. Ooh. The problem with that is the cups look the same. Yeah. <laughs> and dip spit is brown. It's yeah, about you're the same color yourself as Coke. one of these days. You're like That's some a- old man, too. Like, one of these days, it's happening. That's a famous issue. That's happened to a lot of people. They drink yeah. out of a what they think is Pepsi or Dr. Pepper, and it turns out it's their uncle's brown spit. Yeah, that's it an happens a lot. from Pixar sodas when they go to Alabama. <laughs> that's not a soda. It's like a zombie. <laughs> that would be their world's version of zombies, I think. Yeah, dip masquerading as soda. Yeah, it seems like it's a soda, but it's otherworldly. It's not alive, even though yeah, it's moving. And it turns out it's dip spit. It's dip spit <laughs> in a Pepsi bottle. Oh, that'd be a good Halloween movie. Our friend John Acapinti, as we know, famously resents Waffle House and their CEO because he wrote several songs for them, mailed them to the headquarters, didn't get a response back, and has just been stewing about it. Yeah. But the grass is not always greener, apparently. Being recognized too much for Waffle House can be even worse. What if Lana Del Rey was doing this shift in Georgia and she ran into him as a customer? Actually, I wonder, okay, I wonder if Acapinti has stopped frequenting Waffle House because the CEO never responded to his songs. That'd be really funny if he's like really petty about it. If he actually switched to IHOP? Yeah. Well, I think he should. <laughs> yeah, totally. He has to stand behind his words. He can't be giving them money. You got to vote with your dollar. Also, the Lana Del Rey quote about wishing her album had gone as viral as the clip is like kind of funny. But also, fundamentally, it's kind of stupid at the end of the day of like... 
Yeah, like how can an album go viral in that way? Yeah. Like it's a funny 10 second clip. Like you would have to have another sound by like my pussy tastes like Pepsi Cola. Yeah. Also like, that's famously heard in moment. Pixar sodas. Yeah, that's right. That's a great one. Yeah, if that's what you're looking for, you need to put out a bunch of 10 second songs. My pussy looks like Pepsi Cola, but it's dip. It's <laughs> my right. uncle's dip spit. <laughs> it's a trick. I think that was the album that we talked about and it was too slow. Yeah, it was. We, we it did was an too slow and review. soft. Yeah, it was an in-depth uh, full album track by track review. I just don't have time for that. I'm sorry. I'm I don't have time to for it a at, song where the at, first 30 uh, seconds is someone going like, ooh, ooh, get to the drums. Well, maybe we should reevaluate it on YouTube by listening at two times speed. <laughs> Make me dance. I think all the vocals are going to get fucked up, though, if we do double speed. I just can't. Yeah, it doesn't with, really work on album. YouTube. You can do it in Audacity. You can have it sound good, but it gets artifacted so much. Yeah. Because there would yeah. be so much processing power to do through HTML to resample all the bits. Yeah, totally. What else do we got? Oh, we got uh, Chris Brown. He defaulted on a $2 million loan to open Popeye's Chicken franchises. And like, first of all, I feel like it's all these like kind of second tier artists who are opening like, like fast food franchises. Like if you look at like the richest artists, like if you look at like Jay-Z or Dr. Dre or something, they didn't make their money by opening like a Wendy's franchise, you know, it's only like Rick Ross caliber artists opening like wing stops, you know? Yeah. And then hiring children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least Rick Ross seems to be, I was going to say he's running his wing stops relatively confidently or competently, but that's probably not the case given those lawsuits uh, against him. But Chris Brown too, though. Yeah. $2 million lawsuit because he defaulted on loans meant to purpose, uh, meant to purchase two Popeye's chicken franchises. But so I started looking into this of like, does he like what does Chris Brown own exactly? And in addition to those two Popeyes, he apparently owns 14 Burger Kings, interestingly. I don't know if that's like profitable for him or not, but it says um on the Burger King website, it says uh the requirements to get a franchise, and you have to have a million dollar net worth and five hundred thousand dollar liquid assets just to qualify. Then you play a fifty thousand dollar franchise fee and like all this other shit. It's like, if he has that much money on hand, why did he fucking need a loan to open a Popeye's franchise? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And then he just didn't pay a dime on it for five years. It's one thing to do it as a passion project or because you just want to interact with the business or feel like, I feel like what happens a lot is people see the franchise owner as like the richest guy in their neighborhood. Like in a lot of small yeah. towns, that's the case. Like the guy who owns the McDonald's in the subway and the, the local motel, he's like the cool guy that pulls up in a Lexus. Like when I worked at McDonald's, it would be the, the owner would pull up in a Lexus and be all yeah. cool. And I feel like a lot of people see that and they carry that with them. They're like, that's how you be cool and rich. That's the cool guy. And uh, you have to actually do it. You can't just say you want to do it and then take out a loan and not do it. Because yeah. in that case, I would just do something else, like put the money in a mutual fund. Yeah, It's not exactly. really fun to be a franchise owner. You can make a yeah, lot of money, know. but you also do have to make a lot of phone calls and stuff. And also, why couldn't he just pay someone to do all that shit? 
Like, was he planning on doing the day-to-day management of those restaurants? Yeah, it's a very specific way to fumble the bag. Why was he not delegating all that shit, like the loan payback and setting up the building and everything to somebody else? It's very cool. He's a weird guy. I remember joking with Will at some point about the prospect of Chapo trying to just run a single fast food franchise and how they would just immediately fuck it up. And that's kind of what I'm thinking of here. Yeah. They should open a bodega. Oh, yeah. Compete with the Akiway guy. Bodinga. Yeah, yeah. Have the some bodinga. chopped cheese Akiway at their Bodinga. Uh, and then, Okay, so in this article I was reading about Chris Brown, though, they also hilariously just start posting shit of his from Instagram, and they're just, like, doing advertising for him. And the way he talks about these stupid slippers that he put out is so annoying. Like, in his post, he's like, other features include haters will be unbearable, hoes will be mad, and confidence will be on 10,000%. Percent. If to pronounce it percent. Yeah. <laughs> Let's change the world and flex while we do it. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. Let's go. It always blows my mind how young he is. It's the same thing as T-Pain, where they were on TV when I was 12. And they're only three or four years older than me. They were like 18. Like, I don't think T-Pain was old enough to drink when he had a, a hit song for the first time. Oh, yeah. Chris Brown's slightly younger than me by like a year. Yeah, he's a boy. I think he was younger than Rihanna, too. It didn't stop him from being a piece of shit. But you know what? He's one heck of a Burger King franchisee. Well, he at least he's not hiring employees and he's not paying back loans. I think that might be leftist. Yeah. <laughs> He's burning his creditors and also not exploiting fast food workers for profit. That's right. Two things that leftists claim to like. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Ross is hiring those 12 year olds and I think they're great cooks. I don't want to besmirch their cooking abilities. I think they're great cooks. I just think they should get paid more because they're 12. Once once those kids grow up to be Michelin starred chefs and they're getting interviewed about like their their extremely refined and unique cuisine, they're going to be like, you know, I owe it all to Rick Ross having me work underage uh, after 10 p.m. for minimum wage. And he was doing wage theft, too. How many stars does Wingstop have? Michelin stars. Rolling Stone gives it five stars. Oh, wow. Probably a conflict of interest. Probably had his loan forgiven for that. The Michelin thing is so stupid anyway. They should just start doing more and more viral stuff to just get press of like, Give one Michelin star to Wingstop. Why not? Adding a fifth star would be huge. Think about the press you could get for that. If there was one new restaurant, it would be someone who paid them. Like Gordon Ramsay opens a new restaurant somewhere that's supposed to be the best restaurant. It's on TV. And then he pays them to have a new five star. It's like the, the amp that goes to 11 in Spinal Tap. Yeah. People would say it's stupid, but they would talk about it. Rolling Stone should also do that with albums. I think when the next U2 album comes out, Songs of Incest, where it's Bono (laughs) uh, having anal sex with his son on the cover, I think they should give it a six star. Six stars, yeah. Bono, you need to put out a solo album ASAP so I can give it seven stars. Featuring Rob Thomas. Featuring Rob Thomas. That would be great. (laughs) A Bono solo album where they try to get him more contemporary by hiring Rob Thomas. (laughs) in pitbull oh and then he could do like an album release show at pitbull's charter school i forgot he had a charter school 
I wonder if it's still around. I remember it was in some kind of legal or financial trouble a few years ago when we last talked about it, but that's weird. Yeah, what a surprise. I wonder, are there any updates on that? Let's see. Uh, it said it opened in 2022, the Slam Foundation. Oh, yeah, it's like sports oriented, right? It's so stupid. Well, it seems to be a place on the map. Wait, it has 14 schools now? Damn, like maybe it's doing better than ever here. Wow, did he actually do it? Yeah, unlike Akon. Yeah, I think he did it. Oh, yeah. wow. This, student oh, yeah, services, right about the sports parents, after-school care, student uniform policy. Oh, I want to see this. It secures partnerships with local and national organizations and sports franchises in order to prepare students to be successful in college and beyond. Wait a minute. They have a school uniform. Blue and green slam polo, khaki pants, blue school sweater with logo, Fridays only slam spirit shirt and khaki pants. No jeans allowed. No facial piercings. Natural hair color only. No hoodies allowed. No Crocs or sandals. It's anti-woke. They're not going to let uh, blue-haired Ted Nugent in. Imagine how disappointing that would be that you're going to Pitbull's charter school and it's like the school from Matilda. Yeah. <laughs> you're not allowed to dye your hair. You can't wear a hoodie. What is with that? Yeah, it sucks. You can't wear Crocs? What's the problem with Crocs? You can't wear uh, Chris Brown's footwear that makes the haters mad. Yeah. I'm surprised they don't have a, a shoe requirement. Sports-related majors in post-secondary preparation. That's so weird. Yeah, he's only been expanding it in the last few years. Damn. Well, good for him. The first one started in 2013. He's tackling woke more than anybody. Yeah. Talk Think about all those kids getting who would rid have of dyed their hair if they didn't go there. Yeah, they might be libs by now. Screaming no. I wonder what Ron DeSantis thinks of Pitbull. Let's see. Oh, he's only talking about the dog. Ah, damn it. What does he think about pit bulls? I think he likes them. They should encourage all pit bull people to move to Florida. But that means that Trump has to be against them. Yeah. And we know he hates dogs in general. Oh, yeah, pets in general. If you hate dogs, you probably hate pit bulls the most. Isn't Trump either one of the only or the only president to have no pets? I feel like this is something we talked about years ago, too. Yeah, it's the first one in a long time. The last one was probably like William McKinley or something. Let's find out. I'm going to look it up. I know Calvin Coolidge had like an armadillo and a parrot. Then before that, it was all, it was mostly dogs. The Clintons had a cat. It's not looking good for Trump. I think he might be the only one ever. Yeah. I know Bush had a dog. Oh, Obama no. Mama had a dog. Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson had none. However, he fed white mice he found in his bedroom. In the White House? Yeah. They couldn't fix that? Also, why were they white? Because it was the olden days. A wild white mouse? Only white mouse were allowed in the White House. I guess it oh, does James, rhyme. James Polk also was the other one to have none. So there's a couple, but almost nobody. I could have sworn those were bred. Like, there aren't white mice in the, in the wild. Maybe someone was playing a prank on him. That would be a good children. Like, you know how, like, um, Callista Gingrich is always doing, like, children's books about some fucking elephant? Uh, like like polemical children's books. Someone who's like a big Andrew Johnson partisan should put out a kid's book called like White Mouse in the White House about Andrew Johnson feeding him. I wonder if he has any stands. I hope Is so. there anyone that rides for Andrew Johnson? Because if you're know. racist, you would like him for stopping Reconstruction. But he was also Lincoln's 
vice president, and he yeah. was uh, one of the few senators from southern states to side with the North. So he's also a cuck. He's a lib cuck. Yeah. He didn't play his cards right. Guys like that, they tried to be very cynical. They tried to work both sides to their advantage, and they ended up just getting hated by both sides. I'm just thinking basically that when he spotted the mouse, he started to grouse. I must tell my spouse there's a mouse in the White House. Someone should make a book like that. That would be an incredible book. And then evil Ulysses Grant can come and kill the mouse. Yeah, with his ponies named Billy Button and Reb. (laughs) Billy Button and Reb. Wow, he had like a dozen horses. Some of his horses had funny names and some of them just had normal names. This is a crazy like juxtaposition of horse names for Ulysses S. Grant. Butcher's Boy, Cincinnati, Egypt, his wartime mount, Jeff Davis, Jenny, Julia, Mary, and St. Louis. That's pretty cool. It's cool to say you're mounting Jeff Davis. Yeah, that is Look, really dude, funny. I'm mounting you. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something you'd see on a, a Latter-day YouTube YouTube album cover. Yeah, Pote. Pony of all time. <laughs> Pony in human form. Pony in human form. There was another weird thing that popped up where for some reason Ed Sheeran was in a kitchen with Courtney Cox. And it's yeah, one of the weirdest, most the awkward context. videos I've ever seen. He's got this song called an English girl in an American town. And for some reason he sings it to Courtney Cox. He says, Courtney, I wrote a song inspired by friends that show you were on. And then it has nothing to do with friends, except at one point he says, we ate Chinese food in small white boxes, lived the life we saw in friends. And then it goes back into random stuff. Your room barely fits the mattress. Wake up, leave for work again. The wind, it seems to blow right through us. Down jackets are the trend. And then she says, wait, was that really about the show Friends? And he says, well, inspired by it. Yeah, because you eat Chinese food in small white boxes. We live the life that we saw in Friends. I love explaining a song by repeating the exact lyrics of the hook. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the exact line that he said. And it's. I was thinking a lot about it, about how apparently that was his only exposure to take out Chinese food. Yeah, it was Friends. Also, I just don't feel like that happened very often in Friends. Like, I'd, ne- I'd never seen Friends until the pandemic, and then my wife, like, rewatched it, and it's better than I thought. I expected it was, like, terrible, but it's actually, like, pretty funny. It's an okay show. Um, but I don't recall them really eating Chinese food very much. Yeah, I remember watching it because it would be on between Seinfeld and King of the Hill, I think. Yeah, and it wasn't great. I didn't love it, but it was okay. To I think have it's fine. When like I was twelve, it's a t- it's like a replacement level sitcom where it's like it definitely has funny moments. Nothing wrong with it, but it's also nothing special. You know? Yeah, it's decent for the time. Yeah, but I guess that was the only time he saw those white Chinese food boxes, which you don't see too much anymore. Depends on the place. I feel like you see the plastic ones more. Also, if anything, he's trying to say that Friends is like a. It symbolizes like you know, your mattress barely fits in the room and whatever, and you're eating really cheap and you're poor. But in Friends, aren't they always doing whimsical bullshit like dancing in the fountain? And all of them have like these massive Manhattan apartments. Like there's nothing very like particularly working class or like poor about it at all. Yeah, it's the exact opposite about what people usually say about that show. Yeah. Which is that they have these insanely large places, even though they're like either unemployed all the time or working part time as like the the woman who puts the clothes on the rack at the the Nordstrom. 
And uh, it doesn't make any sense if you think about it, how they have these beautiful lives and they hang out in a coffee shop all day. But then what he took away from that is like, we're just scraping by in this little loft, living hand to mouth, but at least we have each other. Like, what the fuck? Also, like, I'm tr- like, all of them have fairly ritzy, not ritzy, but like pretty solidly middle class or above jobs in that show, right? Like Ross is a professor. Um, Joey's an actor. What's her name? Courtney Cox's character is a uh, chef. Yeah, I guess Joey's the struggling actor. He seems like he would not have any money, but uh, Jennifer Aniston's character works at like designer fashion brands and shit. It's like, come on. Yeah. It's so weird to sing that to her and not really know about the show. To do that to begin with, I guess, because she didn't write that character. That's not actually yeah, yeah. her. Like <laughs> The entire concept is thinking that she is Monica. Yeah, it's and funny she when would people like do this that with actresses. This is about you, about the stuff that you did. That's almost as stupid as asking Raina Duras to explain the message of Pixar sodas when she obviously didn't pay attention to the message at all. Well, that's between you and her. Well, I just feel, feel like I could relate when someone thinks Courtney Cox understands friends when she's just some moron who is parroting lines written by other people, you know? It is she's true. She rich. recorded most of her lines at the end of a Discord call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She didn't read the whole script, so. Yeah, fr- friends was done over Discord. <laughs> She just takes his word for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Chinese food. The whole thing, Chinese food. Oh, man, we used to hang out in that Chinese food restaurant. Those little white boxes. Briefly, those little white boxes were our lifeline in the big city. Yeah. Little white boxes full of ticky-tacky. I don't know what was a little or white box. My apartment with the little mattress or the little Chinese food box that I used to eat out of. That's right. Also, but if at any, least there's if, you and me. If a little white Chinese food box has any pop culture relevance to me... It's the really stupid LFO song where they say Chinese food makes me sick. He should have referenced that. He also says English girl in an American town. Yeah, that is New York is not, not a town. It's not a show about not a town. anything to do with friends either. <laughs> it has nothing to do with friends. Other, other than that, he says, we live the life that we saw in friends, which is not true and makes no sense. That, <laughs> I can't get over how bad that sucks. The nicest thing I can say about that performance, though, is that And I don't know, I've never heard his songs before this, I don't think, but he has a way of singing that kind of obscures the words in a way. Like it's, he has a not very like clear way of enunciating, which helps to make the song sound better than it is maybe. So I think he has that going for him, you know? Yeah. His singing style, it's almost like scat singing. It's like, I mean it sincerely that like that works for him. And it's much, if he like over enunciated all these lyrics, it would have been like 10 times more cringe, you know? Yeah, that's like, he says stuff like, I love the shape of you. I love the shape of your body. And you don't want to hear that guy saying that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you don't, you just, you don't want to hear that guy being too horny. I don't really want to hear any guy being too horny in a song, but him especially. Yeah. I think you're probably going to do, you have to commit. I mean, you need to go a hundred percent. It needs to be like Lil Jon style. Yeah. It needs to be all out. You have to be the horny if, guy. And he just can't be the little horny bit guy, horny in fine. a song is a terrible idea for anybody. Yeah, it's not good. I love the way you smack my ass. Yeah, ex- that's a perfect example. <laughs> or Weezer doing I'm your daddy. Yeah, ugh. That's what it's like. Weezer needs... I think Lana Del Rey did it right, like we were saying earlier. My pussy tastes like Pepsi Cola. At least she like went... She swung for the fences with that one. It's like, all right. That's a great line. Weezer should cover that. <laughs> they should. There's one more thing I wanted to play. It's this video of RZA at Guitar Center, and he's playing the beat thing. Yeah, this is so good. I love this so much. 
I can't believe I didn't see this video before now. Yeah, it's this from is 2012. Like was sharing this on on Twitter. It's so funny. It seems like a shreds video. It blew my mind. Yeah, this is one. Of, this is instantly one of my favorite videos of all time, bar none. All right, so what we're gonna do now is um. The beat thing looks so goddamn stupid. With this machine, you could do it in your car. Okay. Yeah, this thing. I never heard of this thing. I'm sure it is way out of production by now. Choose a sound. Bong sound. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. So Absolute sound dog shit beat. Choose another sound real quick. Let's just go underground bass. Got it. Like what's going on? Where's the kick? Where's the snare? Where's the clap? Where's the hi-hat? It's so yeah, wild to make a rap beat that's <laughs> all toms and crashes. Yeah, how, why don't you start with the kick or something? Got it. Okay. Track three. Track three is empty. Come back up here to my sounds again. We did. And now, sounds are like... They're doing this completely seriously. It's so funny. <laughs> it's bells and tuba and crash. It's not a coherent yeah, beat. Like nothing is holding down the rhythm. Yeah, like, it's so easy to make a basic beat. You could have just done kick, snare, kick, snare to give it some kind of like basis. Yeah, that's good enough. Starting with a triplet on the crash. <laughs> so funny, dude. Like a small child with an okay sense of rhythm could do a lot better. And those horn samples sound like fucking dog shit, man. Cool, man. Like that's terrible sounding even for the time. Like this is like 2012. That sounds like worse than like 2002 horns. Yeah, it's worse <laughs> than general MIDI. This is unbelievable, man. This is even funnier than I remember. One pair of headphones, two guys connected. <laughs> Can't beat that. Daisy chain. Right? Daisy chain. And somebody else could plug into yours. Yeah. And this could go on. And so, uh, say you, um, you know, you ever get into a situation where you um, hanging um, with your girl and she's watching something on mm -hmm. her iPod or, you know, and she's like watching something on her iPod. Out. Is that something people are still doing in 2012? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Well, mine. I think like, you would have to be a kid. <laughs> You'd have to have an iPod God touch. Damn. Oh, and they're trying to sell these headphones oh, it's to $280. Oh, yeah. God, that's so funny. How did they allow him to make that video? Yeah, they like, should have dubbed sure over. Are you sure you don't want to try another beat? Like, try Maybe let's try one more. Yeah, just make it for him and dub it over. Like, come on. Or at least quantize it first. I don't he know how know that, that happened. He, he could not rap over that. If he tried to do like one verse over that. There's no fucking way he's getting through it. Yeah, he must know. He's not stupid. <laughs> he must know. He he just is like, maybe he's too high to do it. Do you or think he's too there's tired enough, uh, or something? And he's just like, okay, I, I know I'm 
I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm just going to hit it. I'm going to do my 15 minutes. This is some stupid promo thing I have to do. And then I'm going to leave and I'm never going to think about this again. But why wouldn't you just make a simple beat with like the kick on one and three yeah. instead of just hitting a Tom? And I'd like to symbols. think he realized that like after a couple <laughs> bars, he's like, oh, why didn't I just do kick snare? Why did I start with three so crash symbols and then a tuba? <laughs> Now I have to add over this and I can't delete stuff. Dude, do you think, did the, I, I don't know, since we were talking over it, I didn't pay attention, but if there's a long enough loop where they don't talk over it, I want to loop it and record a verse over it. The beat thing. Yeah. And it's in Guitar Center too, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh God. It's just icing on the cake. Guitar Center in Hollywood. So funny, man. That must be such a noisy place. Yeah. Because RZA's always there cooking up beats. Yeah, I hate the things that you hear in Guitar Center ambiently. You've got people playing the Master of Puppets riff. You've got Stairway to Heaven. You've got RZA making the worst beat of all time with crash cymbals. <laughs> yeah, in the same way that like guitar dickheads would be like, no Stairway to Heaven. They need to put up a sign in Hollywood that's like, no RZA beats from the, from the Beat Tank video. It's too cliche. Yeah. You just got to retire it. Make something else on the beat thing. If you're going to hop on the beat thing. All right. Well, there's no way we could top that. So I'm just going to play us out with some of the beat thing video again. 